0: Hi there and welcome to another episode of the Intersex Podcast. I am Joe Roberts and I am your host, welcome. The title of this podcast is Childhood Medical File, My Story. As the name suggests, in this podcast I will be talking about the contents of my medical file from childhood. Obviously relating to me being intersex. Obviously I acknowledge right off the bat that it's highly unorthodox for a human being to talk about the contents of their medical file in a podcast, however this isn't normal circumstances. I am intersex and intersex people experience some of the worst human rights abuses in our society. Including, but not limited to, forced anaesthesia, forced sterilisation, forced dilation, non-consensual surgeries, naked childhood examinations and being photographed from the waist down naked during childhood non-consensually. So I'm hoping that that little list should um, facilitate some understanding of why I feel compelled to discuss the contents of my medical file. It's an effort to raise awareness of said human rights abuses. This may take some time, as I'm sure you can imagine, there's quite a lot of content to my medical file, particularly during childhood, so I may have to separate this podcast into two separate parts. Also it's worth bearing in mind that talking about this stuff and speaking about it in a podcast has quite a serious impact on me emotionally and I can find it quite emotionally draining and when I begin to talk about the contents of my medical file it should become fairly obvious why that's the case. So I may have to end up splitting this into two separate parts. The first relevant entry on my medical file uh, relating to me being intersex was from age 3 when there is an entry from the doctor saying that I had a swelling in um, in the groin which is um, very likely to be a hernia, and that's from age 3. So that's a very common precursor to what the medical profession call androgen insensitivity syndrome. It's very common for individuals whom receive that diagnosis to first come to the attention of the medical profession um, with a swelling in the groin area, and that is an inguinal hernia. Next up on the file we see another entry from age 3 when the doctor advises that uh, I have bilateral inguinal hernias and should have a herniotomy and the uh, doctor arranges this. The next entry comes from just before my fourth birthday. This entry states that uh, bilateral herniotomy has been carried out on me and also a gonadal biopsies. So at this point, Upon correcting the hernias, which I had, they have also discovered that I had internal testes. This would be the point at which the diagnosis of what at that time was called testicular feminisation would have been made. This was later changed to androgen insensitivity syndrome. It is important to point out that at this stage, no surgeries other than the hernia correction had been carried out. It was only a couple of weeks after this that I received the first quote-unquote diagnosis that was, at that time, testicular feminization. This was later changed to androgen insensitivity syndrome. It was also at this point that my parents were informed in a letter that my chromosomes were male, although it was well into adulthood before I discovered this for myself. Although I don't normally believe in trigger warnings, at this point I would like to offer a very small trigger warning that there is some sensitive material about to come up. Uh, In this letter, uh, I'm just going to read a full paragraph here. It says... At the time of her surgery, the perineum was inspected and although at first sight there is no gross abnormality, there is no doubt there is a little enlargement of the clitoris and there is a single orifice in the perineum which will lead to the bladder and possibly also to a vagina. This matter will require to be clarified in due course by examination under anaesthesia and different forms of imaging. It then expands a little bit upon the features of so-called androgen insensitivity syndrome, stating that when it occurs the phenotype is female, although the carotype is male. Um, That isn't actually strictly true, these people were obviously not very knowledgeable on the subject. It is true to say that many individuals whom live with androgen insensitivity look entirely female on the outside, but there are different degrees of this. That's why androgen insensitivity tends to be uh, separated into complete and partial. I should also point out at this stage of the Uh, podcast that in this podcast I'm simply going to describe the contents of the medical file. I'm not going to comment upon them in this podcast. I'm going to save that for the next part of this. So moving swiftly onwards. So I'm now going to read out the next letter and this one is just pretty much a week before my fourth birthday. There are a few blatant untruths in this uh, letter which I will address in a later video. Once I uh, have finished this I will then be moving on to commenting upon the contents of this medical file. So I will now just read the letter in its entirety, I may as well do. Uh, It says, Thank you for asking me to see Joanne. I had a lengthy talk with her parents in outpatients a few weeks ago. I think there is no doubt on the basis of the information that we have that Joanne should be considered a little girl and I think that it is almost certain that following your uh, examination under anesthesia and genitograms that will help define the anatomy more closely that the testes will need removing, as there would otherwise be a fair chance that Joanne would virilise at puberty and even if they are now entirely non-functional, I am sure that psychologically and emotionally for her and for the family as a whole, Joanne is better off without them, even without the very small risk of malignant change if they are left. Depending on your findings, consideration will obviously need to be given for fashioning or enlarging a vagina and in due course I will need to induce puberty with oestrogen treatment at the appropriate time. I do not feel that there is any major urgency in trying to delineate the precise cause of Joanne's problems as in practical terms this will not affect how we manage her but in due course we should certainly carry out some endocrine tests to try and see precisely what has been going on. All in all, Joanne will certainly require regular if infrequent follow-up at the hospital and I am sure that it is not at this stage appropriate for either Joanne or people other than those in the immediate close family to know the nature of the problem. Joanne will certainly need to understand the implications in the years ahead but meanwhile the Roberts are understandably emphatic that information about Joanne's chromosomal problem remains strictly confidential and particularly at this stage that the education authorities are not informed of the specific diagnosis. I understand that the nursery have been commenting on Joanne's behaviour in recent weeks, but this, I am sure, relates to her hospital admission and not of course to the underlying diagnosis. Certainly from everyone else's point of view, the parents are intending to say that Joanne requires regular follow-up following her hernia operations and to leave it at that, please let me know when you are planning to admit Joanne for examination under anaesthesia and imaging as it may be appropriate to tie in one or two of the straightforward hormone tests at that time. Alternatively, as I say, it may be easier to postpone these to a later occasion. I would like to make one brief comment on that and it relates to the comment upon my behavior at nursery. I would also like to point out at this stage I also have a diagnosis of Asperger's Syndrome and it was remarked upon by the teachers at my nursery that I was not a particularly vocal child and also my speech was delayed and I guess you would say immature. Whether that was attributable to the Asperger's diagnosis or whether it was attributable to trauma, we'll never know because I was given a sort of rudimentary form of speech therapy within the family home and as you can tell from this podcast, it worked. Literally, the next entry in the medical file is a hospital discharge letter and this is from just after turning four years old. So, understand that this was the second major surgery that I had had all before the age of five. And in the discharge letter, it states that the three procedures carried out were examination under anaesthetic, a bilateral orchidectomy, which is basically removing internal testes, and a vaginoplasty, whereupon they extended the length. Of the vagina surgically on a four-year-old. Next. Next uh, after that there's a discharge summary in which the doctor states that the post-operative recovery was satisfactory which I find a, a very um, astonishing statement but next after that we have a letter from three months before my fifth birthday again although I don't really believe in them a very short brief uh, trigger warning I'll read the contents of this letter in January as you will recall she had bilateral orchidectomy carried out and her perennial tissues were separated in the midline to allow satisfactory exposure of the vaginal OS this accommodated a uh, size 15 haggar dilator comfortably and the vaginal cavity was approximately 45 centimeters in length. There was no evidence on endoscopic examination of any cervical material in the vaginal vault. I think it unlikely that Joanne will require any further surgery to that area during childhood, but there will require to be an assessment at around puberty to determine whether the vagina is of a dimension which should permit sexual activity at a future date, and it may be that some further surgery will be required at that time, depending on the findings. I do not think I need to see Joanne at my clinic again unless some problem were to arise in that area, but she will, of course, be continuing with her follow-up in her doctor's clinic. And just to briefly summarise what you've just heard, yes, you are correct. The doctor has just described using a glass dilator in the vagina of a four-year-old child. The next entry in the medical file, I'll just briefly summarise, it contains the first mention of the possibility of androgen insensitivity syndrome. And it also outlines the plans on the part of the consultants to possibly take me into hospital at the age of six for a series of tests. Next up we have a letter from just after my fifth Birthday or a few months after it and this letter is uh, an excellent example of the Tendency to encourage shame stigma and secrecy. I'll just briefly run through that I am writing to you with the consent of this little girl's parents Joanne was discovered at the age of three to have testicular feminization. That's androgen insensitivity very few people are aware of this problem and indeed Joanne's grandparents have not been told about it. One can obviously empathise with her parents' wish to keep the matter strictly private, at least until Joanne is of an age where they can discuss the matter with her. Recently, the parents have been asked to complete a medical form for the routine school medicals and they have been in a quandary about what to reveal on this form. It would not be acceptable to Mr and Mrs Roberts if the school nurse had access to this private information. I have advised them to simply put on the form that Joanne had a hernia operation and some surgery and is presently under review by X for this. However, I thought it right to inform yourself of her history in case any questions are raised throughout the school health service. One particular worry was that they may suspect some abnormality and initiate unnecessary investigation. This is obviously a rather delicate situation and I hope this method of handling it is acceptable to you. And this was sent to somebody to to do with the education system. The next important entry in the medical file comes just after my sixth birthday, a few months after. The details on this hospital discharge letter are very vague. Under principal diagnosis slash operation it says elective investigation of testicular feminization results awaited. It's very vague. Uh, It's interesting that they've used the word elective, I'll comment on that later. However, what is super important to bear in mind here is that I was in hospital for 6 days. So, that was the third hospital visit before the age of 7. The next entry on the medical file is a discharge summary. In this uh, discharge summary they state that they have been carrying out tests which they call pituitary axis investigations. Next in the medical file we get a letter which is a follow up to my 6 day stay in hospital where various tests were carried out on me. In this letter it also emerges that yet another surgery was carried out during this uh, 6 day stay in hospital, this time it was a genital biopsy in which they removed samples of skin from the genital area. They make reference to this in the letter stating the results of genital skin biopsy which might help to distinguish whether the defect relates to the androgen receptor or at post-receptor level are not yet available but the difference is of purely academic interest. So by this point we're now up to three hospital stays and four surgeries including the original hernia operation. The next important letter in the file is particularly horrendous so I'm not actually going to read this one out, I'm just going to briefly summarise the contents of it which are that um, my parents are seeing a consultant and they're finding it difficult to openly discuss aspects of (coughs) me being intersex with the consultant because I'm sitting there and by this point which is age eight I still don't know about it so they're sitting there with me next to them and I don't know why I'm even there and I'm still being given the hernia story. There are also other things, icky things said in the letter which I don't really want to say out loud but the general upshot of it is that there are concerns that I may need to have further surgeries. The next important entry on the medical file also comes from age eight and once again, It's a hospital discharge letter. This describes the fifth surgical procedure carried out on me. And this time, I'll just read the letter to you. It says... uh, <coughs> Joanne was admitted electively, again I'll cover that the use of that word later. Joanne was admitted electively for examination under anesthetic, vagina, and stretch under general anesthetic. And if you're wondering what that curious wording means, it means yet another vaginoplasty. Says as you know, she has a history of testicular feminization, that's androgen insensitivity syndrome, with previous surgery for orchidactic and vaginoplasty. This investigation has been planned because the vaginal orifice is becoming more constricted. In theatre, an examination under anaesthetic was performed with a vaginal stretch. There was very slight external bleeding following this procedure. She will be reviewed in clinic in six weeks to check her progress. Now I'll probably be very soon wrapping this podcast up, however before I do that I have one more letter which I'm going to read out and this is one of the most damning letters in the entire medical file and um, I want to draw special attention to it for that reason so I'm going to read it in its entirety. It's from my consultant, the consultant paediatrician I saw for most of my childhood, in fact all of my childhood and it's written to my GP. It says, I reviewed Joanne with mum and dad in the growth and endocrine clinic on blah blah, de blah. I spent some time discussing with them the timing and nature of pubertal induction in Joanne and we also discussed how and what information Joanne should be given. I suggested that it should be simply along the lines of normal information about puberty and sexual development plus an explanation that Joanne was not able to make the necessary chemical in her body to develop like her friends without some help in the nature of tablets. I am sure it is neither necessary nor appropriate or advisable to go further than that at this stage and of course it may never be appropriate to give Joanne the fullest information about her underlying problem. We have agreed that it would be appropriate to initiate treatment in about 6 months time and I have arranged to meet Joanne and her parents to discuss things further and of course to talk to Joanne from my point of view about what is involved. This is from age 10 years old. The next couple of letters are written by the same paediatrician and he uses a very similar uh, turn of phrase in both of them. It is for obvious reasons. I did not mention this to you in the clinic. Um, Again, this reinforces what I covered in the last letter, secrecy, secretive behaviour. In these letters he discusses both the medication that I was prescribed at the onset of puberty and also a support group which he referred my parents to. That covers everything which I'm going to talk about in this video. There is obviously other stuff after that but I wanted to keep this video predominantly about my childhood experiences and since this takes me up to the age of of 12, I'm going to end this video here and I will discuss anything else which happens after that age which I think um, is relevant in the next video in which I am going to be giving my perspective on everything that I've just covered in this video. Uh, talking about all of this does take quite a lot out of me so I'm going to draw this to a close now and thank you for listening.